Welcome baby boomers, Generation X, Millennials, and Generation Z, and any other generation I may have forgot to the A-Space podcast. We're about to run the intro, thanks in part to I Am Him Beats. This is the whole point of this podcast. What we need to do is to open up a healthy discussion about this issue. You can't get rid of an idea by pretending it doesn't exist. You gotta get outside of your household and try to make meaningful, deep connections with other people, and then you can probably consider those other people family. That'll probably be one of the things that drive us to becoming a more caring world. You know what I'm saying? Like, Welcome to the podcast, which is available on podcast services around the globe. This podcast is a Stitcher Premium affiliate. With Stitcher Premium, you can get episodes of some of your favorite podcasts ad-free. You can also get Stitcher Originals. And if you listen to this podcast, you can get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us by using code ASPACE at checkout. That's code ASPACE at checkout to get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us. Why not do it? You can also catch us on social media channels at A Space Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And if you have questions, comments, or concerns, you can email us at aspacepodcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening. We're going straight to the podcast. This just turned into an ASMR podcast. (laughs) Chill, son. Oh, man. We're live from the studio. AKA. AKA. My dining room. There you go, son. (laughs) That's where all good things start. That's where grassroots start, baby. You doing all right? Oh, I'm hanging in here one day at a time, brother. Yeah. One day at a time. Same. Same. I'm just, you know, I try not to stress so much. Yeah, it's not really working, but I try. Yeah, I think that's the way things are going these days. You're um, looking at the news. You seeing all these? Yeah, I've been tracking the Corona things. stuff and. Oh, goodness. Primarily, right. just because I want to know how close it is to NC. Yeah. 
Because, you know, once it gets within, like, two states, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Now, now I need to be, like, getting shit together. No, it's in California right now. We're good. Just, everybody in Cali got to watch out. Now y'all got earthquakes and coronavirus. Yeah, fires, quakes. Oh, I forgot fires. Yeah, there we go. Cougars eating your dogs because your dumbasses decided to live up in the hills and outlaw mountain lion hunting. This guy, you have to watch out for more than one type of cougar in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you gotta That's watch terrible. out for all the cougars, buddy. Oh my goodness. True. And then now you got fucking viruses trying to wipe out your state. Mm. I'm telling you, man, California's gonna end up being the fucking DMZ between US and Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Rip. I can see that happening. That'd be a really good, like, game. So, like, I know the division is, like... Ha! I'm playing the game right now. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I was thinking about this. I was like, okay, so the division does, like, area expansions, right? Focusing on, like, major cities. Yeah. Like, the Warlords expansion focusing on New York. I was like, so what if you did, like, sort of like The Last of Us? Yeah. But in division? And instead of zombies, you just have, like... A nation trying to retake land or to take land from more resources, like one country versus another, like trying mm-hmm. to like one one. I shouldn't say a country because in, specifically in division, it's like the world war torn. So you'd have a group of warlords trying to take resources in Cali, and then you should have to take them back or whatever. That's exactly what the division is. Right, and so instead of just like one city. You just have like the whole of California, which is just yeah. It'd be like an open world division instead of like a city. That yeah. would take for freaking ever to beat, though. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> that would take forever. It all it already is a freaking grind. It took forever for the division too to get his shit together. Too. Oh my goodness! It like. Like, week one, there were people who were, like, beta testers, level 40, just trolling kids, killing them all across the place. It took forever for me to get to, like, level 30. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to level 30, you beat all the strongholds. Then you go to, like, armor tiers. And then you have, like, world tiers. And then the enemies are just, oh, it's so, it's mm-hmm. it's a freaking grind, dude. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, Division 2 is a grind. But it's a great grind. I love the game. I, I really love it. Yeah, Division 2's always gotten a lot of good press for the rewards for its grind. Yeah. Compared to shit like Anthem. Uh, what? Yeah. That ghost? Yes, that one. I feel like if the Division 2 continues to release content how they've done it currently, they've got a pretty bright future ahead of them. I don't feel you like they need to make jump Division to the 3. next platform? Mm, probably. Yeah. Or would that have to be at a new like game basically. They'd probably do a new game, but with the Division Three and the way that Xbox is going, like Xbox just announced that it'll be basically backwards compatible and you'll get any game that you have for them. You'll buy it once mm-hmm. and they'll continue to make it up to date. So Yeah it's like up. if you buy a game for the Xbox One You've already bought it once, so once you get the Xbox Series X, you'll get the same game for Series X. Mm-hmm. That's basically how it's going to work. Right. Which is 
freaking crazy. That's dope. So I think Division like 2 it. could carry over. Or they just released Division 3, which wouldn't be bad either. Because then you could solidify yourself on the next platform, and you could just release from there constantly and never have to make a 4. You'd probably right. have to make a... Like, An expansion, with, like right. a massive expansion or something. You'll probably have to, like, eventually move Division 3 over to another platform. But I mean, like... If you make a Division 3, the way that the video game scene is going right now, where everything is like cross-platform, cross-save, backwards compatible, single purchase only, you could make it, like now you can make a game, and it'd be the same title forever. You don't have to change the title. You don't have to make a new game. Like, I mean, contrary to how you feel about it, bro, Loot box mechanics is the thing that keeps a game alive for it being one title published. Like mm. having that mechanic, the studio continues to bring in money. They continue to put out content, and they never have to publish another game, and you never have to purchase another game again. That's the way it works. Yeah, but that's also not true. I mean, it's true for things like League of Legends and Riot games, mm. and that is a uniquity. Yeah, but you're always like most live service games end up with expansions that they charge you for. Most live service mm-hmm. games have cosmetics, microtransactions, which I don't have a problem with. Yeah, my problem is loot boxes that contain items that you need. I think for the game right. to I progress. Think, I think that's what I'm saying problem. is you don't have to start over again i think that's the new thing that we're going to is that like i think now the way games are going is that now you're building on a game constantly over time right so like i mean for me i'm looking for the first game in history where you buy it once and they're working on that game forever after that that's it they're not League. publishing another game. It's called League. I mean, yeah. League of Legends is one of those they did games. just roll out like three new, three new game modes, but that's yeah. all I'm saying. But I mean, what I'm saying is, is that the game continues mm. to be ever-expanding. Right. And they do, like... And I'm looking for that game mm-hmm. where it's balanced and... I mean, for whoever doesn't like skill-based matchmaking, Apex Legends and Fortnite, you got to get over it. Because mm. that's the only way to fix this issue that I'm about to explain, which is that I hope that this game that is made in the future and that is never that everyone who's new to the game has to start completely over and grind their way to where at mm. to people who've played years of it, mm. right? So there's no like like division two on March, I think it's second or third or fourth or whatever, mm-hmm. when this new expansion comes out, you can I think it's automatically like you already progress to level thirty and you're already in world tier one. Yeah, they so it's like update you. Right. So it's like Yeah, Destiny does Destiny that shit did every the same time. thing. Every new this game I'm talking about, there's no that. Right. Everybody's level freaking 1,364. You got to grind to get there. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for that game. Like, yeah, I feel you. But I'm looking for a game a that emulates life. So <laughs> what you really want is, yeah. is wow. 
That's yeah. what you want. Like Probably, you want yeah. you want that you want to be that wow person who's been there from the beginning, mm-hmm. who's burned through all six expansions and raids, and you have multiple accounts with multiple maxed out characters and shit, which mm-hmm. I get. And I'm down for that because I really want that. Like mm-hmm. when I played Destiny, my biggest irritation was that like I would grind endlessly as a clan leader. I would grind all three of my characters out to max, and then mm-hmm. I would continuously grind, help other people's grind out for no mm-hmm. extra reward to myself other than just like experience and like skill. And I would consistently be doing forty percent of the work, fifty percent of the work right. on some of these runs, especially if they were like speed runs. Because mm-hmm. then I'm like, sit back, don't get killed. I'll go wipe everything out. And then when I'm clear, it'll just update you. Like, it'll pull you along. Or I'll clear an area and you come with me. And then they started that that system you were just talking about where they, every time they put out an update, you had to play through the story. Mm-hmm. But by the time you were, like, done. So, like, let's say the third expansion comes out, right? Yeah. You start a new character over. Your account's been there for forever, but you start a new character mm-hmm. to help match your your main character that is the same character archetype right so you have two characters a new one and old an old one to max the old one out faster right because you're getting the same loot table twice in the week okay Mm -hmm. cool they changed it so that at the end of the story you would be on par with the light level for the new expansion yeah Right, so all you would have to do is play through the story. You wouldn't have to do all the extra side missions and shit, which is helpful for streamlining and grinding characters. Not so helpful for people who have dedicated characters who can only get that loot table once, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, most of my clan members didn't have the time of day to grind out three warlocks or two warlocks and max out a warlock in one week. And when a new update came out, redo it all right mm-hmm. put all your shit in the vault redo it come back to it they didn't have time for that and so i ended up grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding just for them to like update it and like waste all my time yeah they invalidated after i gave them more money yeah died that's why i quit <laughs> that's literally why i quit after the osiris expansion i was like this is just not worth it right like, especially because the Osiris expansion was so disappointing. It should have been a lot better than what it was. It was good, but it wasn't what it should have been. Right. The guns were good, but you could max, if you were grinding, like, like you're hardcore, you max those guns out in the first month, month and a half. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're just running shit. Right. And by then, my clan was pretty much dead. Because so many people had moved on to, like, the Division and all these other games. The new CODs, um, mm-hmm. because they kept getting ripped off by Bungie. Um, but yeah, I don't think first-person shooters are going to be the genre that brings you the satisfaction in your character development. I think that's a unique way to RPGs. Yeah, but Which, I feel like the Division has a very good... It's a good It's a good balance. Yeah, it's a good, it's because a good balance. Because there's so many... Mm-hmm. There's so much loot, mm-hmm. and it's third person, mm-hmm. which means you get to see your loot, which mm-hmm. is a big problem with first-person shooters, that you don't really get to see your shit. 
mm-hmm. unless you're in like a social zone or whatever. And even then, it's very limited like interaction, which is one of the things that has kept Destiny alive because there's so many social interactions now that they've expanded on. Mm-hmm. Social zones, different character interactions, different character attributes, these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's basically dead in the water. I mean, people still play it, but mm-hmm. not. I mean, it's not like a a tenth of its original player but original player base. I mean, but when they made it three dollars on the Xbox Store, and then they announced the the DLC, yeah, it freaking boomed. It went up on the charts on Mixer streamers. Yeah, big streamers started playing it. Yeah, like, and everything is maxed out now. Yeah, everything's like crazy. I mean, and that's mm-hmm. the problem with expansions, right? Mm-hmm. No matter how good it is, it is gonna run out. Mm-hmm. Which is where you do need them. You need some sort, some level of microtransactions, mm-hmm. but you don't have to have loot boxes. Well, I think I think this is the reason why they will make a Division Three. And my thing is, if they take this model that they have a Division Two, and they just replicate it and make something new and build positively off of it, I feel like they won't lose with Division Three like they lost with Division Two. It'll mm-hmm. just be, it'll be, it'll be the like. Mm-hmm the hammer on the other side of the coffin that gets the top off and mm. brings it back from the deck. There you go. I like that reverse. I like that reverse imagery. I well, think... When you think I'm with the nail in the coffin. There you go. <laughs> Sending that shit to the grave, son. I just... I think to have this vision, though, leads us into our first point, is that yeah. we need more creative thinkers in the world, bro. Yeah, and, we have plenty of people mm-hmm. that... We have tons of people in the world that are happy to put red tape and put their put their personal spin on how they want it done mm-hmm. on things, right? We have tons of people that can put tape and chains around ideas and get them under control, and but we don't have a lot of people coming up with ideas anymore. Yeah, which is really bad. Um, and this has been a statistical thing, even in education, for years now. Like when you talk to the partners with uh, state schools or private schools, and they're talking about their biggest issue right now is like college graduates, right? When you hear about undergrads who can't get a job to pay off their loans and stuff, is that they get out of these degrees, like we've said before, and they don't have any job experience. And mm-hmm. the way they do it on the job is entirely opposite of how they're taught. Like, yeah, like. We'll take care of the red tape later. You need to get the job done today. Yeah. And they're like, no, I have to get like this certification. I have to get all this paperwork filled out, and then I can do it. And that doesn't work in practicality. The world doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. The world just wants results, and they'll throw money at it and resources at it to get it done. Right? Which is what we're talking about. You have plenty of managerial teams that are just like, they have the, the paperwork already to just sign off. Mm-hmm. And fill in the details later, and we're we're not teaching our kids that way, which is sort of okay and sort of not okay because like in some ways you want caution, right? Right? Because you don't want you don't want to create a culture just like ripping people off and then paying them back later. Yeah, a, a, a percentage of like the proceeds, right? Mm-hmm. You want them to get their fair share, right? Um. But we just we don't have a lot of thinkers anymore. Like we don't have a lot of creators and inventors. Yeah. And innovators in any industry really. Right? Mm-hmm. So let's take um 
Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, for example, right? They're both in the space race. Mm-hmm. And both of them in the private sector are infinitely more efficient, both at production and meeting the NASA safety standards, right? Because they're working with NASA on these mm-hmm. rockets, right? And they're using the NASA safety standards that NASA developed. And they're still more efficient. They're reusing rockets. They're reusing resources. Whereas NASA has a $30 billion budget to build one rocket to use one time and then retire it. Mm-hmm. $30 billion. Right? Elon Musk's new rocket, the Dragon, costs four. Yeah. To produce? Yeah, yeah. And then it's reusable? <clears throat> are you kidding me? Like, yeah. what is? what are we doing? <laughs> like, how much red tape? That's insane. Yeah. And so you have this dichotomy of, like, where do we go from here? I don't know, because we just elected Dewar for a president. Ugh. So it's like, that's my thing, is that, okay, so I feel like personally this man has got to where he's got because he has a process. Mm-hmm. It's, what was that word? Dupli- duplicitous. Duplicitous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's made a duplicitous thing and just duplicated it mm-hmm. all over. Mm-hmm. And it works. Yeah. So what Sometimes do you think the key difference is then? Well, I feel like you have two things. You have something, and here's where you find the balance, because you'll find out that through all the greatness that Elon Musk brings to the table with his inventions, at one point it still wasn't very sustainable. Not mm. because it wasn't a very good idea and it wasn't sustainable resource-wise. It just people weren't backing it financially mm-hmm. and people were pulling out of it. So he was losing funding and everything was crazy. And like at one point, it wasn't even like sustainable, whereas he was failing all these launches. Mm-hmm. But... I think that's what people don't realize about greatness is that sometimes you have to fail a bunch of yeah, times before you get it right. Exactly. And now that motherfucker launches rockets and they seamlessly, everything works. Yeah. I just you know watched, what I'm saying? Yeah. I watched the interview with his uh, head of engineering mm-hmm. and um, they're literally like one more test flight away from sending people up in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm, I'm saying. Like, that's crazy. And NASA still ain't completed that one rocket. Exactly. Jesus Christ. Like, why is NASA using their budget to build a rocket when we have working rockets? So then you have a guy like Donald Trump, who he's coming up with this this system for, I mean, the thing he's most famous for is, like, like planting hotels and, you know, real estate and other places. Is that what he's most famous for? I mean, yeah, you can say in a a business way, I'm saying is that this thing that's duplicitous, you know what I'm saying? And it does a good job until you find out that this thing has failed over and over again and he's been bankrupt God knows how many times. Right. So So, is it really duplicitous then if he's just manufacturing bankruptcy? Exactly. Is it really good for the United States to just, I mean, we work on a deficit anyway, so I don't know that we can actually go bankrupt, but. But then is it really visionary when you have this guy feeling at launching rockets six times? Like, you could say the same things for both sides. What we have to understand is that there's thinkers and there's doers. Right. There's visionaries and there's leaders. Like, I feel like when we have the visionaries, we want the leaders. When we have the leaders, we want the visionaries. 
And I think we have to, I mean, I don't know your take on this. You probably have a different take, but I want to give you what my take is, is that right now we have somebody who's good with duplicating something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we had a presidential candidate who was very visionary, Andrew Yang. We found out he dropped out the race, but he has some very good things to bring to the table as far right. as his presidential platform is concerned. Mm-hmm. Some points, I don't know, are up for debate, but a lot of his stuff is like pretty visionary things. And here's, here's what I'm saying. Sometimes when you come to the table, come to the table with something visionary, something groundbreaking, mm-hmm. it may seem stupid at first. But once people enact it, and once you build upon it, mm-hmm. then people see the the good fruits from from that labor. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So I understand that some things on Andrew Yang's platform was kind of like, all right, bro, this is either utopian or it's stupid. I don't see mm-hmm. why you should do it. <laughs> but that's the point of being a visionary. Somebody has to bring you down and be like, all right, you doing this thing over and over again. It works. You franchise this store over and over and you have this store in 12 different States throughout the country. But, uh, every store just has waste in this one particular area. Like you're spending money in this area that you shouldn't be when you can create a system that I know it doesn't fit into your original plan, your original vision. But it'll eliminate this at the expense of this. Everyone knows you have to spend money to make money. So I feel like that's where we're at at the table right now where in this country we need visionary change. We need visionary leadership. And we're just at a point where he's this mic. mic is so fucking irritating where? right now, I swear to God. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, rip it off. I just sat here and watched him for, like, 30 (laughs) seconds while I'm talking working with this mic. Okay, so we don't have video up for this yet, but we're bringing it But I'm literally, like, trying to talk into this mic, right? Trying to, like, look him in the eye, talk to him, right? Because that's how you do. He was looking me in the eye the whole time. You ever ever watch those fail videos where it's just, like, one, two... Three, you go from left to right or right to left, and you just count down that clock like it's launch time, baby. It's gonna go, it's gonna go. And I'm just like peeling to the left with this mic as gravity's like, haha, fuck you, asshole. The mic's all the way over here, and now I got my head cocked to the side like a goddamn maniac, looking like I'm cracked out or some shit. God, Jesus, we're replacing these. <laughs> I swear to God. Fuck marketing. <laughs> Yo, I mean, my thing is, if you can, if you listen to podcasts, you're in deep now. If you listen to this episode, you're in deep. You, you're here with us. Look you at can this donate. Shit, like, you can donate at Money Sign A Space Podcast on the Cash App, so that my neck doesn't have to get broke every time I record a goddamn podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness! All right, so uh, where was I? Uh, we're in this time Vision now where we need visionary visionary leadership to bring some changes to the table. We have things that we we need to fix. Like, <laughs> shut the fuck. Stop laughing, bro. It's over. I'll fix it. Okay. I'm just gonna act like I'm like. We need new mics in this country. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're not gonna go over what oh, I just did. Oh my goodness! That's not family. Oh yeah, no. That's explicit on this podcast, but still. Anyway. If you want to know, you can track me down and ask me if you know who I really am in person, okay? Oh, my goodness. Uh-oh. Oh, oh my but So We no, have global we, warming. We have infrastructure issues. Oh, we man. have so here, coronavirus. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> always, how, why you always got to go there? Like, everybody this week. Everybody's going there this week. I'm like, come on, now. We got... We got the coronavirus. Yo, the funny thing Dude. is that meme Dude. about the coronavirus. You want to know what's fucked up? What, what? So I was at Trivia earlier tonight. Mm-hmm. Sidebar. Sorry. Um, <clears throat> and so each each team has its own team name. Mm-hmm. And one team name was literally Corona with Lyme disease. <laughs> Corona with Lyme disease. I was like, bro. Oh my They changed goodness. their name. So my my team name was a uh, what was it? Uh, Twisted titties. I did oh not come goodness. up with the name. The tattoo artist on the team came up with the name, and she, she's a good friend of mine. But she's a bit of a freak mm-hmm. in a good way. And so uh, halfway through it, Corona with Lyme disease. Changed their name to A Tale of Two Titties. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh my goodness. I was crying because oh, it confused So it confused the shit out of us because there was a question there in trivia about the movie, A Tale mm-hmm. of Two Cities or whatever the fuck that movie is supposed to be about. Anyways, and so we Charles thought, Dickens book? Tale yeah, the book. Two? Sorry, A Tale of Two. Yeah. Okay, well, I was uh, about to say. My bad. There's a, <laughs> yes, and so we got. We thought that the uh, the trivia host had accidentally changed our name, mm-hmm. and so we spent like five minutes trying to sort it out with him. Mm-hmm. Woo, that was funny. Shout out to Pavel. Good job at trivia tonight. Um, but no. So back in mm-hmm. back to the main points. So uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. How do you think that we go about creating more innovators, not just thinkers and doers, but like right. true innovators, visionaries for all of our policymakers to work with? So a lot of. Um, so first off, what we don't like to hear in this country. What I mean, I'm just going off some people that I listen to and I know. I mean, Ben Shapiro, Joe Rogan, like even Ellen DeGeneres lately with going down on the outing with George Bush. They all get called out on meeting with people that the public knows they definitely don't agree with, but that they feel like they would be giving them a platform to mm-hmm. spread their propaganda mm-hmm. in different areas. Yeah. What we're going to have to realize in this time is that you may not like who you're sitting across the table with or who you're sitting next to. You may not agree with them or you may like them but not agree with them or you may not agree with them but like them. I don't know what your setup is like in your relationships. But we're going to have to learn how to not let that come between. Progress. First of all, us not having some type of relationship, period. 
And second, us not like being able to have a working relationship, right? So like first we like okay, so we know that when we go through life, we figure out that play is not all that we think it is. Like you play, you have fun, you run around as a kid, fine. But while you're playing, you're actually building up specific skills that go into life. So we got to realize that, first of all, the first entrance to having a partnership or business with a person is first getting on them at a certain level. You don't got to be buddies. You don't got to be friends. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is you got to socialize with somebody first. No one connects with you. No one wants to do business with you if they can't connect with you on at least one point. we got to learn that no matter how much we differ, we have to connect. Secondly, we have to learn that we have to come together because one key relationship in anything that works is the synergy between a visionary and the leader. So the leader comes up with the, the plays, right? He comes up with all the plays in the playbook, maps it out for 10 years, right? That's what the visionary does. Mm-hmm. And then the leader takes the playbook, takes it to the team, runs it with the team, figures out the tweaks that need to happen for the, for the team, figure out what do I need to do to get the team to align with the playbook? And then what do I need to do to get the playbook to align with the team? So that's it, it's efficient. And then you bring it back to the visionary. You come to the drawing board together. You figure out what worked, what didn't, what needs to be inherently a thing. And then you do that process all over again. Mm. That's what we need to do. We need to figure out that that in business, in any type of venture, that we have these innovators, these thinkers, these these uh, these uh, visionaries helping in tandem these people who make these short step goals and get them accomplished bit by bit. You have your chunkers and you have your thinkers. Chunkers, they chunk, they chunk, they chunk, they chunk, they get things done in bits and pieces, and that's how success is made. But sometimes you can chunk without a plan, and then you just give up and you stop chunking and you just, you fall. Sometimes your managers are going to need somebody to bring them back to, because I guarantee you that somebody out here listening, your manager, you manage people. You feel like you do the exact same thing over and over again every time you deal with the same issues. You need somebody that you mm. can have be you can have as a mentor mm-hmm. to bring you back to the bigger vision of how something's supposed to work. Mm-hmm. Because you may feel like I just talked to Sally last week about her being late, and it's the same thing and it's the same process I have to go to. And the company just won't let me fire Sally. I don't understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to figure out there's a bigger process, bigger than the issues that you go through. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the visionary. Right. Visionaries out there, creative people like myself. You have to understand that sometimes you need somebody to be like, okay, I know you got a lot of good ideas of floating around out there. You got three damn books in your head, but you haven't sat down two hours a day 
I'm not telling you you need to sit down, take six hours, and write the whole book out like you want to do, but you can't never find the time for because you're never going to find the time for six hours in one day where you can do absolutely nothing but write. But what I'm saying is, is you take 30 minutes every day for the next 30 days and you write it and I can guarantee you, you'll get it done. That's the difference between the mindset of a thinker and an innovator and a leader and somebody who manages. So we got to figure out these and it all comes back to what I said a few podcasts ago is that we have to start as a community taking these ideas, these things that we learn in in uh in education in uh these these uh, academic fields and we need to start integrating them into community and ethics in the community in our own way in our own communities right and this is one way that we start to do it so i think that's what we need to do man um you know i just i feel like that will be the way for us to uh to talk about this issue with uh mm. with ethics and capitalism man because um I mean so this is my this is my section where I really have an issue with capitalism because there's a miscon there's a, a misconstrued idea that mm-hmm. capitalism is inherently good because it has been so beneficial across the globe for everybody, mm-hmm. right? When we look at all the, the economic systems, statistics, socialism, communism, capitalism, mm-hmm. whatever, because of the range of capitalism and how it has allowed people to do business, it has generally created more positivity and by positivity, we're, we're talking money growth. However, that does not mean that that money has been going everywhere that it should be going to in order for it to be truly effective and uplifting as we mm-hmm. think that it is, as we teach our children, as we learn about it in civics and economics, right? On a surface level, we learn that this is the way the world is and should be and it's good for everybody and prosperity, blah, blah, blah. That's not necessarily how it actually plays out as we know. Mm-hmm. Right? Certain things affect it, like taxation, relationships on a global scale with other countries that provide the components to put together things that we need, right? Or things that we want. And then you have the other the other side of it is the ethics, right? Because in every society there are people who work and people who think, as we said, and then there are, there's everybody else. And if you're not somebody shaping the rules and you're not somebody creating the ideas that the rules are built around, you're usually somebody putting those rules and items into work, right? You're a consumer or you're working in an industry or somewhere in the field of any industry and you're putting those rules, regulations, those items into use and into everyday life. And what's good for the society, right, as a capitalistic society, we don't mean morally good or bad. What's good for capitalism, a.k.a. profits, is not always good for people. 
right? Because profits don't equal people, mm. right? There is a inexplicable factor of life that you can't buy money with. And that's been statistically proven, as we've talked about before on this podcast, with the happy money line ratio that's out there, right? And in the United States, that's about 80 grand, give or take your profession mm-hmm. and occupation and where you live in the country. 80 grand is, is pretty much the happy margin where your, your happiness as an individual grows with your total income up to about 80K. And then after that, it peters off depending on a bunch of mental factors and environmental factors. So there's this line going up. If you want to visualize it as a graph, there's this line going up exponentially. And then you zoom in on it, it's actually two lines. One line is capitalism, and one line is ethics. And the graph measures profit and morality, right? So profit on the y-axis, morality, right? Good, bad on the x-axis. And then as you measure what's good and what's profitable, they go up, 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 until you hit about 80K here in the States. And then it starts to drop off. Right, and then ethics starts to peter off, level out, take a nosedive, and profits keep going up. Mm-hmm. And when you have too many managers, right, both adding in red tape and taking off red tape, right, regulating and unregulated with no regard for the balance, then you get shit like the financial crisis, the housing bubble the Great Depression, the Great Recession of 2008, the car business dropping out, and what's soon to come down the pipeline is the student loan debt. Yeah. Right? You have all these crises that build up and build up and build up, and people are trying to figure them out, and people are trying to, the government, with all of its red tape, is trying to work with Wall Street and the Raiders and the investors and trying to figure out what they can do about it, and they go, well, we don't know because the law says... We can't get rid of this debt, right? We can't get rid of the student loan debt. Like, we could get rid of your cars or get rid of your bad mortgage, Mm -hmm. right? We can't hold those people accountable because it's student loan debt, and that's not the way the red tape's set up, right? But then you have a doer. Donald Trump gets elected, does a bunch of stupid shit, but he also signed a piece of paper that tossed out hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loan debt for veterans. Mm-hmm. Right? He was like, fuck this. Cutting through red tape. Yeah. Right? So, you have the people who say it can't be done, and yet it has been done. Mm-hmm. So that raises the question, why are these people saying it can't be done? The what is can't it, be done? Is, that you can't get rid of the student loan, that you can't avoid these crises, right? Well, here, and, here's and, the underlying issue. So, we know, and this is the where you have the difference between, I guess, the thinkers and doers. We know that in this country, like in this world, we have long exceeded capacity for the resources that we have available. True. Now, long seated, but like we have enough resources to feed everybody on the world right now, but we don't have enough resources to get the food to them. To get 
the food to them and also to get to be sustainable for much longer. Mm-hmm. So when people say capitalism is functioning, it's because at some point capitalists realize that at the level at which the resources need to be, I guess, allocated to everyone. This is a way that we initiate some sort of meritocracy with a bunch of other layers underlying it. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that you could look at capitalism as a political survival of the fittest. So. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What was that? So, would it be appropriate to say, based off of that initial concept, mm-hmm. to say that sustaining what is good, yeah, right, becomes too expensive? Or mm-hmm. the cost of it is too high for capitalism as it's set up in the world market today mm-hmm. to maintain, right? So when you're talking about that upward slant between profitability, mm-hmm. what's good for capitalism, right, and ethics, at some point that mark the reason, right, for that, that drop off for ethics is because it's too costly to sustain it for capitalism to continue. I feel like in order to gain profit, sometimes you do things that are not necessarily ethically just. And right, so you that end would be up, the choices after that. You end up eighty k mark basically. You end up cutting a hundred throats to feed a million. Mm-hmm. That's basically how capitalism is. Is you end up cutting a hundred, a thousand people's throats to feed millions of people, and no one thanks you for it. I guess that's the reason why. Cause, all right, so there's no reason to cut a thousand throats to feed a million people. We all know that. But sometimes when you have personalities of a million different people in one room, things can get pretty hectic, right? Because everyone mm-hmm. has their own opinions. So when y'all end up putting this all in the box and see how it plays out, not everyone's going to play nice with each other. Right. Earth being the box. Exactly. So my thing is, the only way to order in some way in chaos is to create a system that's that's duplicitous, right? You can duplicate it. You can control it. Capitalism seems to be the most effective way to do that. Is it moral? Probably not. Is it ethical? No, it's not at all. But it works for a lot of people. But it doesn't work for a lot of people. And that's just the way that nature is, I guess. But the thing is that we have a better way of doing it. So, like, we think capitalism is a problem. It's not. We think communism is the problem. It's not. Because we have a capitalistic society with a very social undertone to it. Mm. So I don't know if anybody's seen this meme lately, but there's hella social programs create, created by this, off of this ideology of socialism 
that we have enacted here in the United States. Mm-hmm. U.S. Postal Service is a social service. Right. A socialist service. Right. Everybody pays a like, tax to fund it. Exactly. Regardless of if you use it. We have capitalism and socialism side by side in this country. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to admit it. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to act like this country is completely capitalist or completely socialist. That someone wants to be either way. We have it working in tandem in this country. It always has and it always will be. And it works. It just so happens that we have a couple of people trying to rail it. And Mm -hmm. that's what happens with corporate greed and Mm -hmm. all this different type of stuff. Crime capitalism. Exactly. There's a lot that goes on. But at the same time, socialism, you could say. There comes a point where people become tired of all this type of stuff that affects everyone. Mm-hmm. Right? So then we are like, okay, how can we fix this? How can we order all this information into a way that people can understand? Mm-hmm. My thing is, it's this. Synergy between understanding long-term goals and what the cost of those long-term goals are going to be and short-term goals and what the short-term cost of that is going to be. This synergy between innovators and leaders to be able to work through these ideas across the party. Like, if we're going to continue to enact the two-party system in this country, okay, you got to go across party lines way more than you've been doing, bro. It's just right. it's you not gotta, working. You got to have more partisan work because exactly. if you don't, everything's going to stop working. You're going to get another another government shutdown. That's exactly. what happens. When the two parties don't work together, we get a government shutdown. And mm-hmm. government services that everybody needs come to a halt. Social mm-hmm. services stop. Social security stops. Mm-hmm. Crisis response for victims of abuse stops. Yeah. Right? Protective services stops. You know, and these people still show up to work, right? But that's only sustainable for about three months max. Like, they, they have reserves that will last, like, three months at a state level. Yeah. Right? And that's just the heart and truth of it. Like, particularly in our local area, uh, last government shutdown, most non-critical services, right? So, unfortunately, like, the domestic response service here in, in our area was not is not considered a critical response service, right? It's not the fire department, it's not ambulances, it's not um, police, mm-hmm. right? It's non-critical. Mm-hmm. It had a month worth of reserve funding yeah. to help place abuse victims, rape victims. That's crazy. Right? And that doesn't even, that's just the resources for that office. That doesn't count the resources that go into the police department when that office gives them a call and says, you need to provide a safety escort. Which is the reason why in that instance, we need an innovator to look at this problem and be mm-hmm. like, look, soon the month runs out and all your victims are back on the street and mm-hmm. they're in the hands of yeah, the they critical response services that fund for two months more than this one funded. So let's kind of keep all of these services open for as long as we can pull the money from somewhere else. We won't have to worry about anything happening when all this thing is over. I mean, 
this is the thing you have to understand because one thing I was saying, I don't know, this is whatever I was talking to my wife is completely unrelated and I can't remember what I was talking to her about, but I remember what I said to her and this was just today. I was telling her all little problems become big problems if left unattended. True. And my thing is with that thing is that soon all your domestic violence victims they all go back on the street. Like, if that government shutdown lasts two, three months, you got two months of them back on the street in the hands of the critical response services that are funded, and because they are underfunded because of the shutdown, they can't get to they're going to be at max capacity when these people are back on the street. Mm-hmm. So you had no long-term vision of what the impact of cutting right. these services off are going to be during the, yeah. during the shutdown. So yeah. you obviously need a better way of running it. So then that's the reason... That is the that is the point at which we realize that this capitalist society that we have running yeah that's like our moral tip doesn't point. function well yeah. in these points and periods of time. Mm-hmm. So we have to have these innovators around to be like, look, how is this going to work when this happens? How is it going to work? Because we got to make it work somehow. Because it has to work. Somehow. I don't know. I mean. We have to begin to make things work. Yeah, so one of the most controversial economic principles that somehow people are not aware of, by and large, when I talk to them, is that a healthy, right, um, an economically stable capitalistic society should have anywhere between 4 and 7% unemployment. Mm-hmm. So that's 4 to 7% of your country should be on total assisted services, mm-hmm. right? Now, that 4 to 7% should, ideally, you would want that to be uh, elderly, severely handicapped people, right, to make up that 7%. You don't want an unemployment of 7% mm. for people who are functioning or young adults, mid- middle-aged adults, right? That should be, that's people who are in medical recovery, right, in long-term care, um, hospice, um, chronic illnesses that, that prevent them from working, right? Like, um, what's that one? It's slow, it's slow onset, but it like spikes and then plateaus. Um, it's got an anagram, I can't remember what it's called. Um, Is it disease? Yeah, it basically like takes away your movement over time. Um, oh, uh, no, not MS. No. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Bro. Nah, anyway, I know exactly what you're talking you about. Want, you want something like that, ideally in your society, you would have that be your four to seven percent, you know, and it would fluctuate, right? It wouldn't be mm-hmm. a solid seven percent year round. You'd be like, okay, this market, this company had a setback, laid off. 300,000 people. Not saw. muscular dystrophy, right? No. no. Okay. It might be MS. Anyways. I think MS is an autoimmune disease, though. Is that? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. But I know exactly what you're talking about. It's all my doctor family. Yeah. Uh, if you hear this. Please let us post know. It. Post yeah. it for, for the other listeners. You can uh, you can always send an email to aspacepodcast at gmail.com and let us know yeah, what that us is. At Aspace. 
at a space on Twitter yeah. and also sure. the Ace, also a space podcast on Instagram. Yeah, all my doctors in the family. There's about ninety six people you could help if you comment. Exactly. Let them 96. know. Give them that knowledge. Yes, that would help. Wink, us wink, nudge, nudge. See you at the holidays. <laughs> um, but no, so you, ideally, right? Like that's what you want that four to seven percent to be, right? It's not designed necessarily to be a predatory four to seven percent, right? You don't want a vulnerable, unemployed populace like you had back in like the twenties, before mm-hmm. you had the labor unions and things like that, right? But inevitably, that's what we have. We have right now. We have the lowest unemployment right now, and years i think maybe in, in since the great depression mm-hmm. um and while it's good it's also sort of statistically false because a lot of people have to have two or three jobs just to make ends meet wherever they live whether mm-hmm. you're in la new york and social society is in a decline because because so many people are mm-hmm. stressed working mm-hmm. and they can't get the they don't have time for the person-to-person connection I was having this conversation the other day about um, the lost art of investing in people, mm-hmm. right? This is, and I don't mean like that. It's a pretty turn of phrase, but it's true. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, if you'll allow me this anecdote, when um, I was an undergrad, and I've told you this before, but for the listeners, when I was an undergrad, I used to walk around campus all the time, and I knew probably ten people. Like, I'd just walk around, I'd run into 10 people I knew. Like, nothing to do with my discipline, nothing to do with my classes that semester, none of that. You know, but I knew the janitor's name in the Elliott building, I knew, or a janitor, I should say. I knew the housekeeper's name in my dorm that cleaned my hall. I knew the office mate name of my teacher. I knew their kids' names, you know. I, yeah. I knew what their lives were about, what the stresses, the weight on their shoulders were, and I would ask them about it, and I would listen, and I would just talk to them, you know? And I'd run across deans from entirely different disciplines, like, hey, how you doing? How's that project you're working on? You make any progress? No? Okay, well, I see the chancellor in the business building every morning, and I have a cup of coffee with him. I have, like, five minutes in between my class when he's in between meetings. Comes down, he grabs a cup of coffee, right? What I do, I'll mention it to him, right? That kind of thing. That is the lost art of investing in people, and it's and it really doesn't pay out a lot, mm-hmm. which is why people probably stop doing it because you can't guarantee it's going to get paid back to you. Yeah, but you have to do it, not just for yourself. In the you know, in in our society, it's about who you know. It really is, right? Yeah. You can learn on the job as long as you get the job. Right. But you can't learn on the job if you don't have the job. Exactly. So it's about who you know, which is really what college should be about, is about networking, and they don't really focus on that. But all that aside, investing in the people in your community is what is going to help you build your future. Mm-hmm. Right? When I go out to a bar, I remember the bartender's name. If I don't, I'm not shy about not remembering. I openly tell them, hey, I'm so sorry. I forgot your name. If you remind me again, please, you shake their hand. You say, hey, I'm Phil. And then the next two, three times you talk to that person, you call them by the name. You don't just go, hey. You don't go, yo, bro. Mm -hmm. 
at the bar. You use that person's name, and then you will remember it. Mm-hmm. You identify that person as an individual, Kyle, Jenny, whatever. You use that person's name, you identify them in your head, and you go, okay, that's an important person. Mm-hmm. Not because they're going to give me anything, but because they're a fucking human. They're an individual that has a value. Right. Either they're providing you a service, or they're providing somebody else a service, that, and they need to be there for that. And just having that acknowledgement and identifying that person as a human being will pay you forward. Right. Right. There will come a day when you're in that cafe, when you're in that bar, and you're short two bucks, and they'll be like, get me next time. Mm-hmm. Right? And this happens to everybody. I mean, I literally saw it happen to the chancellor at my school. Yeah. You know? And literally... I can't even, I shit you not, not even like two months later, <laughs> I was short because I had gone over my budget over the weekend and I was there and I only had like three bucks. It was like four bucks. And the chancellor grabbed my coffee for me. Nice. Yeah. There you that, go. That makes you feel good. When the, the chancellor, when, when the big dog's like, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> I got you. I'm loved. I'm like, whew, okay. <laughs> feel special. Right. But this this is a lost art, and I I used to it is. back to the end of the anecdote. My senior year, I had a, I had a housing issue, got placed on a freshman hall, so I had a bunch of freshman guys that would come up to me and talk to me and ask me, "Hey, where's this? Where's that? How do I do this? How do I do that?" And they come to me because the RA for our hall was only one year older than them, and she just didn't know everybody. Yeah, you know, she could do everything inside the dorm, but she couldn't really help with things outside the dorm. And I'd be like, all right, you got an hour at lunch? Yeah, I was going to go to the cafeteria. I'm like, all right, you're going to skip lunch. We're going to go over to this building that you need to get into. You need to talk to somebody in this building. I'm going to take you over there. I'm going to walk you in, and you're going to get to, we're going to get this fixed. Yeah. And I would do that for them. They'd be like, how the fuck do you do this? How do you just walk in here and act like you own the place? I'm like, it's not because I'm acting like I own the place. It's that I know everybody here. Mm-hmm. And they know me. And they go, that's a good person. Whoever they're with, they're trying to help. They're not trying to get an easy thing out for nothing. Mm-hmm. This is a person who I might not get money from. I might not get any compensation from in any form outside of just an emotional capacity of just being there as a human being. I go, hey, Brianna, how you doing? How's your kid? I know we haven't gotten up with the whole come out on the boat thing because you're busy and you're commuting all the time. But I just want you to know that offer still stands. And again, you got my number. So anytime you guys are free, just let me know. Mm-hmm. Right. Shit like that. And it's not a hollow offer. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. Even if you can't do it, having that there makes people feel better. Right. And being that kind of person is what allows allowed me to just walk into a place with somebody who needed help, who had no idea what they were doing, and nobody knew. And I go, this kid needs help. And if he doesn't get the help he needs, it's going to screw up his next four years of his life. Right. So what do we need to do? Right? And then you help them through that, and you show them, you introduce them, and you tell them, these are the people that mm-hmm. run this institution. This is not just a brick building and a piece of paper with a stamp on it. Like, I've like to joke about right yeah your degree is a culmination of all your relationships with these people 
And if you don't have those relationships, then yes, your degree is a piece of pen, piece of paper with ink stamped on it. It doesn't do you jack shit good. And you ain't learned nothing in that whole time because you have nobody to call. You have nobody to ask, how do I learn this? Because right. you didn't stop long enough to have a conversation with those people. Right? Did you go to your teacher's office hours? No. Okay, well then, you really expected to learn everything you need to learn in 30 minutes a week, three times a week? Right. Seriously? Like, that's just dumb and naive. And so, this lost art of investing in people is something we have got to, like, re-educate about. As we were saying, put your money back into the community. When you learn something from somewhere else, and then you see how it's impl implemented, you see the how the doers and the thinkers come together in another city to tackle homelessness or poverty or crime, mm -hmm. and bring that to your community and try and implement it, you got to have the, the skills to be like, hey, yeah. Hey, secretary, whoever, I need to talk to your boss. But while I'm waiting for them to be available, how are you? Yeah. Can I get you a coffee? Like, you look, whatever. How's your week been? And I guarantee you that secretary admin is going to kick you up the queue. I guarantee it. And then all of a sudden, you got your foot in the door to a doer mm -hmm. who has a connection to a thinker. And they both have the money to implement the idea. Right? That's what we're talking about, people. You got to get back to that. Yeah. You have to reinvest in people. And it doesn't always pay out. And it's incredibly expensive. And it can really take a lot out of your emotional capacity. So you should only really do it to the extent that you can sustain it. Right? Don't go out there talking to people, knowing everybody's life story, making hollow promises to people that you're not going to keep. Right. Don't go up to Jenny or whoever and be like, hey, I'm going to go grab you a cup of coffee every Tuesday and then miss it and come to them empty-handed asking for a handout. Yeah. That ain't right. Not at all. You know, if you got to come empty-handed, be straight with them. True, true. Um, I'm going to connect that to my next point, Take which away. is uh, we know for a fact that... Uh, So we we had we had this point where, that we were talking about where uh, we anoint our celebrities as heroes, mm -hmm. and I think we to a point have some good examples in our community. I mean, one that we were talking about when the news first came out is Kobe Bryant. Ooh. Um, also, some other good examples would be people like Kevin Hart, um, Dave Chappelle. Uh, well, we're actually get back to Dish Bell, but like Kevin Hart. Uh, my, two, I want to focus on more is Kevin Hart and Kobe Bryant. One, because we have this unique thing where we have somebody who has came up, invested in people, made it, use their clout, their fame, and their money to reinvest in their communities. And that's a good thing. We have this lost art that you're talking about mm -hmm. that people have uh, have have learned and garnered fame due to them being able to use this to their advantage. Right? Not use it 
like use people, but to use this art mm-hmm. to actually elevate their craft. Right. They have all the money and the power mm-hmm. to really, when they say that they're investing in people, it's not just mm-hmm. on a personal level. It's like, they're you actually were there for me personally, so now I'm going to bring you up. I'm going to elevate you. Exactly. I'm going to lift all the boats next to me with my rising tide. Exactly. But what you're talking about is then you reach this uh you reach this unique position where you in turn get elevated, get sainted in your community, mm-hmm. and that are that opens you up to situations like with Kevin Hart when he did what he did. Mm. When he made those comments and ten years later people came after him. Mm-hmm. Because they were like, look, you made these comments. Uh, you need to answer for them. Mm-hmm. Right when he had one of the biggest moments in his career. Yeah. And it just, it all got deleted for him just because he he took a specific stance. Mm-hmm. And it was like, look, you could understand him. Like, if you watch his Netflix documentary docu-series called Don't Fuck This Up. It gives a unique timeline of what his career was like starting out up until weeks after that whole fiasco panned out. And you can kind of see what his attitude was like throughout his career and up until that moment where it was kind of like, look, uh, you know, this is crazy. This is crazy that this is being brought up and like mm-hmm. it's so long it's, ago, you know. You're right. There's about a lot. All that he really addressed about all that he really went into it on was that he had already addressed mm-hmm. it previously. And he's like, I've already mm-hmm. apologized for this. And it's laid out it's laid out correctly because I mean in this documentary you see I don't wanna spoil it for a lot of people because the beauty of art is for you to interpret it for yourself. But you right. can but for me you can see like looking at that docuseries now and then seeing his comments and how they like probably could soar people's feelings at that moment and make mm-hmm. people mad. You can kinda see how he was pissed off that people were coming at him years later over something like this. Yeah, I mean I understand it. I haven't watched it. But even though you feel that way. He was still able to be like, look, after this all panned out, I realized that, okay, yeah, maybe I'd apologize already. And maybe things have changed and I don't feel that way anymore. And I've said, and I've noted through my actions, maybe not my words, but my actions that I've changed. But it wasn't about that at the time. It wasn't about whether or not I've changed. It was about X thing. I'm not going to ruin for y'all. Y'all can go out and y'all can see the doctor series and he'll explain it and they'll explain yeah, it's a good, and stuff like it's that. It's a good hour mm-hmm. to invest in. Like, yeah. You could waste an hour every day or you could go watch this. Right. Exactly. So, um, you know, it, it's pretty good. And, you know, then you have what happened to Kobe Bryant, which is like Ugh, God. went through all this, invested in his community, invested in his family heavily. And then nobody appreciates him until he's gone. Until he's dead. Yeah, I mean, and then he's been sainted now because yeah, he's now not around. Like, 
So it's kind of like, I guess to your point is like, is this how we're going to treat our celebrities? You know, like well, I saw it. I saw this interesting mm-hmm. quote the other day after we had that conversation. Um, and it said it was like a bumper sticker slogan thing. I think it was on Facebook. Anyways, it said, uh, "I've never understood uh, the godhood we give celebrities. Um, I've never needed a celebrity." for surgery, never need a celebrity for education, never need a celebrity for this and that, you know, it's like, I've needed a doctor, I've needed a teacher, I've needed a lawyer, I've needed all these critical roles and jobs that, um, for the most part, like, underappreciated, right, teachers, nurses, that kind of thing, (laughs) but, you know, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek thing, but it it gave me a certain perspective, because I was like, a lot of the times, people don't understand People don't understand why we look to celebrities. Like, why is it that person? It's not just that they made it, right? They, the surface level is like, yeah, that person got wealth, money, fame. But I think on a much more deeper level, is it like people look at that and they go, if I had that, I could do a lot of good with that. Yeah. Like Kobe was doing. And unfortunately, the media didn't give it the attention it should, you know. And there's a certain delicacy to that, right? Because you don't... I'm sure Kobe and his family didn't want it um, to sound... To come off as, like, a a trip of heroism. You know, look at at me giving all this money away. I'm such a good person, right? I'm sure they didn't want it to come off that way. And so, for a lot of it, it was more, like, discretionary, right? Don't put my name in front of it. Don't say... Kobe Bryant X fund or anything like that. Just this is the donation or this is the program, right? And he's just listed on the list. Yeah. Right. And that's that's one good way to do it, especially if you want to like if you don't want it to be misinterpreted. Yeah. Right. If you don't want it to be reported on by the media as you looking for a compliment. Right, or pandering for a handout or free praise. Um, but I mean, poor people can't do it. Like, people who are poor and hard off just don't have that flexibility in their money. Um, I felt really shitty today, mm-hmm. personally. Um, I'm always trying to, like, let money go whenever I can because I know there are more people out there that need it more than me. Especially just in our local area. I was coming out of the post office after doing some business and dropping stuff. And I was driving around in the family Lexus. And uh, I'm borrowing from my dad. And uh, I rolled up to the stoplight and there was this uh, church collections out at, in like 40 degree weather. Now I'm trying trying to get donations for um, their uh, non-profit that helps um, abuse victims and recovering mm-hmm. addicts and helps get, get homeless off the streets uh, for both men and women. And I just felt really shitty because all I had in my wallet was two bucks. But I'm driving around in a fucking Lexus. Yeah. I was just like, fuck, this sucks. 
Like, this feels shitty. I'm like, I can understand why I would, like, why you would want, as a kid, why you would look up to that person and go, I could do a whole lot for my family if I had that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what we really miss when we start, we, we forget that very human aspect of it when we start anointing these celebrities with, with godhood and, and heroism. Yeah. Um, we forget that they're human and that they do a lot of good. Mm-hmm. It's not just out here shooting hoops, making touchdowns, right? If you're an athlete doing whatever you do, or if you're Elon Musk and you're building all these innovations and things for the long haul, right? Yeah. But then, like, you look at what he's trying to do in LA and just literally just building tunnels to help with the traffic issue. Yeah. And help just try and help the city with this logistics on his own time. And he's not getting money back for that. Mm-hmm. Right? That's just, that's literally a pit. He's building a pit. He built it. He got a permit to dig a hole. Then he got a permit to dig a tunnel. And they're trying to turn it into a roadway for people to use. Mm-hmm. Um, things like that we miss. And that's a very human thing that a lot of people who are well off try and do. Um, even if they leave their communities, they try and give back to the community they end up in in some way, shape, or form. And it's really just a tragedy that, especially with all the media coverage, that we forget how human they are. And we right. forget all the good that they do. And we dress it up with like a fancy name like charity or um, philanthropy. But it's really just, just giving back to the people and trying to help others out. And I think that's just a real, that's a bad thing in our society that we do constantly, right? With everybody from our celebrity heroes to our politicians to our parents. Well, I think it's kind of funny because we like we like these examples, but we also like people who are raw and honest with us, like Dave Chappelle, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, we like Kevin Hart's and we like Kobe Bryant's, but it's kind of funny how we also like respect and honor Dave Chappelle for being raw and being the total opposite of somebody like, you know, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart, like, he's he's honest. He's a little raw, but to a point, Dave Chappelle just don't give a fuck. Like, yeah. He don't care. Like, and we love him for that. But at the same time, when the smoke comes, it's way different. Like, when the smoke came for Kevin Hart, Kevin Hart had the fold. When the smoke came for Dave Chappelle, a couple, like, Couple weeks later, because of his sticks and bones special, Woo. he ain't budge, yep. and people showed out for him. Yeah, so it's weird how we sold out, and then he, right, it was like people wouldn't leave, so he came out and did an extra thirty minutes at. So it's weird how this all like how how we we just we do this, and it all has to do with like. The difference between a good example, like Kevin Hart's the type of person who wants to diversify, so he has to be the person who relates to a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas Dave spelled pretty much to a niche group of people. But it's like, what happens for someone like me who I want to be self sufficient, right? But I also want to be diverse, relate with a bunch of people, but I want to be raw and I want to be myself and I don't want to, I don't want to give a fuck about anything, mm-hmm. right? So, I've just been looking at that currently and being like, where's my place? Where do I fit into 
to this this place. Like with everything that I'm trying to do. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like it's a good time to be alive for someone like that right now. I mean, because we have good examples of that right now. Like somebody I look up to who's a mentor for me that doesn't even know he's a mentor for me right now is Joe Rogan. He gives on his show. He don't give a fuck. But at the same time, he pulls the, together a diverse amount of people. Hella diverse. And, uh, what? Four right. million people. Exactly. On average? Like just listeners? Just listeners from all different backgrounds. Yeah. But at the same time, his guests reflect that as like from all different backgrounds. Yeah. So Scientists, comedians. Right. It's crazy. Health nuts. Conspiracy <laughs> theorists. Right. <laughs> so I just feel like at this point in the moment, um, you know, this is the time to really be self-sufficient and have these, uh, have just kindle everything that I'm doing together into one thing and try to reach everybody. I feel like it's a good moment for that because we see that right now. We're getting more freedoms because you have services like Netflix who are just opening up their doors to people with these yeah. creative like visions for things that they want to do, mm-hmm. and they're just letting them run free. Like yeah. you know, do what you do. And yeah, I like six, that. you get a second season. There you go. <laughs> like that's literally the business model. Like yeah, right. you get a low budget trial run. If your content's really that good, mm-hmm. we'll give you the budget to make it look better. <laughs> right. Um, Another another really good Netflix example is Tiffany uh, Haddish. Oh yeah, so she finally got her special. We talked about this previously before, but um, so she was an up and coming comedian, you know, comedian who really had a hard time of it. Um, it took her a while really to get it to get it to the level, you know, to get to that Netflix special level. And when she did, she said she went into the negotiation room. All of her friends have testified to this. She went into the negotiation room and said, all right, first things first. I, you don't get me without all these other ladies. There's mm-hmm. like five or six of them. Other female comedians that she had done shows with, gone on the road with, that kind of thing. From their real tight-knit group. Same with Cat Williams has done. Most other comedians do. They have their road guys they go with all the time. Yeah. And they said, well, we can't do that. We just have your budget. We're not here to talk about that. She's like, okay, so take it out of my budget. They're like, you don't care about the pay? She's like, I don't care about the money. Make it so they get it. And they did. They Mm -hmm. She's like four or five other specials that happened because of her. Right? Paying that shit forward. Investing in those people when your opportunity comes to pay it back. Mm -hmm. You pay that shit back as much as you can. Um, and so a bunch of, she, she lifted a bunch of boats for her that needed to be lifted. Mm-hmm. I like that side of you. Looking mm-hmm. stealthy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my goodness. It's late. Um, it is late. For those of you listening, we have these, uh, these mics that are, they have their own boomsticks that fall out. And so he was like staring at me through the bars. Unintentionally. Secret love. <laughs> crazy. We gonna get copyrighted. <laughs> oh um, my goodness. But no, so you know things like that. You gotta remember to do that in your daily life, people. You gotta remember to invest in the people around you, because it is really all about who you know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know nobody, then nobody knows you. Exactly. Except for your parents. Mommy, mommy, you know me. 
Oh man! Oh, fuck! It's late. All right, Dad. Late. I guess this is a good time to yeah, just end it. Uh, next week, we're gonna be talking about uh, what happened to my nine to five gig. Yeah, and streaming. Streaming. We're gonna be talking about video game streaming. We're talking about writing. writing. Next week, I we're just gonna, wrote up a new piece last week. All right, we'll be talking about that. We'll be talking about next week. We'll be talking about where you can find that. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm talking about where you can find that there. Mm-hmm. All right, man. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure sitting down and talking with you. It's As been always. a pleasure for everyone sitting out there listening. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, now we're going to go into some promotional invitation. Uh, promotional information it's so late i don't even know how to say information i said invitation it is an invitation it's an invitation to use our code a space podcast uh when you sign up for uh stitcher premium and you can get one month free on us so go do that and right after i say this there's gonna be an ad that's gonna run check that out are you sick and tired of ads well this is an ad to tell you that you don't have to listen to ads Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, My Favorite Murder, Science Rules, and Dr. Death. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up today through our website and get your first month on us. It's 2019. Ads are optional. Thank you for sticking with the podcast. I want to remind you we're a Stitcher Premium affiliate, so you can use code ASPACE at checkout to get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us. Again, that's code ASPACE at checkout when you're registering for your Stitcher Premium account, and you get one free month of Stitcher Premium on us. Also, do you want to get this podcast ad-free? You can go and support us on Patreon, and for $5, you can get this podcast without any of the ads, any of the plugs, and we can get that for you. We can drop that down in the description of this podcast. You can also go to our Facebook page, A Space Podcast, and also, if you can't reach us there, you can reach us on social media channels at A Space Podcast. Thank you very much for listening.